Welcome to the show. It's Friday. First week back. Never easy. Never easy. Hey, if you got the newsletter yesterday, What the Truck newsletter, by the way, thank you all readers over there. We crossed 12,800 subscribers. You want to be a reader as well? Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. Comes out every Thursday in your inbox. But in the newsletter, I wrote about a brand new trucking movie that came out. And these are far and few between. The last trucking movie we saw was like, what, Ice Road a couple years ago with Liam Neeson? Well, a new one is out there. It's not Elevated Horror. This is not by, like, A24 or Blumhouse. I stayed up till midnight last night when this thing dropped to make sure you guys could uh, could see it. And maybe I have to spare you from watching if it's terrible. Let's roll this trailer a little bit. I'll give you a look at this movie, Candyland, talking about. So here we go. Like, the premise of this movie, and this dropped today, January 6th, is it's, uh, it's about lot lizards and a religious cult, right? What a topic. And as I mentioned before, this is an elevated horror, right? So this is not taking, like, a educated or academic take on human trafficking or anything like that. No. This is, like, pure 70s exploitation type of film. And it's not even, like, the softer style. I don't know if you guys saw X. X was, like, about porn workers who get murdered in a slasher-type film. Not too dissimilar from this. However, this movie is just like way, way trashier. It's the kind of film that will do a slow tracking shot up a woman while she's in bed and then play a fart sound effect. So, I mean, that's what you're walking into in this. I think the first eight minutes, there's probably like more nudity in this than not. Um, Billy Baldwin is in this just chewing scenery. I actually thought he was pretty fantastic, though, even if he's a total creep. Like, uh, there's one scene in there. He's the type of private investigator where he goes in the truck stop, rest stop, bathroom, sticks his hand in trash cans, and is sniffing people's bloody underwear. Um, I'd say the only problem with this movie, well, there's a lot. I mean, one is, if you don't like this genre, you'll probably find it pretty offensive, I would, I would think so. Especially this take on this issue, it could be a pretty serious one. But if you get over that stuff, you get in your Joe Bob Briggs mood, you like a nice midnight movie, you like the trucking veneer, and you just want to, like, hate watch and maybe make fun of something... Or maybe you'd find some value in this, I'm not sure. The other thing that's interesting here, too, is you hear so many people make, like, this argument that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Well, I'm going to make an argument that Candyland is a Christmas movie. Not only are there three Christmas songs on this depraved soundtrack. By the way, period piece, too. This was set in 1996. Santa Claus also appears in the film. I don't want to give any spoilers. I won't tell you more about that, but I think you saw his boot in the trailer. Uh, John Swab says it takes inspiration from the movie Scream. Not really. I mean, it's not like lampooning anything. It's not lampooning any genres. It's really just kind of being gross a lot of times. This is a long way from Lincoln Hawk, trucking's last cinematic hero. I'm fine with a little horror out there, fine with the B-movies, fine with the Grindhouse, but like, can we make the next one where like a truck driver or someone involved in this industry is not like some depraved maniac or a slasher or a serial killer? We get on board with that one. Hey, we got an awesome show today. We're going to be talking about, by the way, I should mention this. You can go see that in theaters. I don't know what theaters are playing it. Probably like your local uh, one in the bad part of town. But if you don't want to do that, you can get on streaming. That's what I did last night. A little tired today. Well, hey, I had to take one for the team. Um, we got a bunch of guys on today. We're going to be talking about AI in the supply chain. What's going on with you? By the way, this is a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Sorry, my ADD is kicking in as I'm looking at this like review right here. Amazing stuff. Um, we're going to be talking about AI in the supply chain. The doomsday clock ticking down on ocean container contracts. What is going on there? Are we in trouble headed into 2023? Also, what's going on with China? I just read an article by Lorianne LaRocco, and I was like, whoa, that sounds bad. You saw that mail sorting I showed the other day. Things are getting pretty rough over there. 
So we're not out of the woods yet. Got a bunch more to get to. Let's tip the band. Our first guest is in the green room. We'll be able to get over to him. So did you know that AIT publishes a global transportation market report every month? So if your business needs information about air and ocean trends, carrier updates, economic forecasts, North American trucking, and customs clearance news, you can get all that and more in an easy-to-digest overview. Best of all, it's free to download. The next edition comes out December 7th. That's tomorrow at AITWorldwide.com. So bookmark that, head that over there. Thank you, AIT, for supporting the show. All right, it's John Reeser. He's EVP Global Supply Chain at the Canon Group. John, what's going on in the world of plastics, my man? Happy New Year. How are you doing? How are you doing? What's going on, man? Where are you sitting today? What part of the world are you at? Uh, I'm in Avon, Ohio, just west of Cleveland. Love it, love it. You getting all that rain out there, or is it cold? It's rain. Uh, today is, uh, I think, like 37. It's been about, uh, you know, Tuesday was 60, so it's Ohio weather. It's up and down, man. It's like Chattanooga right now. It's yeah. been, we've had like 10 degrees. We had snow. It's been, it's been a... Uh, it's been a wild year, and now we're in a new one. And it's not like when you turn the calendar, everything changes. You know, you don't get to start fresh. Everything is still a mess. Maybe our legs are a little fresh from having a couple of weeks off. But let's start there. What are you seeing as you got back to your desk? You're sitting here. For people who don't know, Canon Group work in the big plastic supply chain. Tell them what you see from your seat. It's crazy. Um, you know, I was looking at, uh, I was on about a year ago, I think it was, January yeah. like 22nd or 12th, somewhere around there. Uh, with my my Nostra dumbass uh, <laughs> projections, if you recall, and I was just looking at that and comparing it to where we are today, and it it is crazy about how far off uh, I was and how far off a lot of the, the people were in the the market. Um, you know, freight just continues to drop, and it's crazy compared to where we were. I was looking at our numbers um, last year, and like just Ho Chi Minh to the East Coast is eight times lower now, and China to the to the uh, LA is four times lower and I was, it's just mind boggling. I never thought we would be here um, this fast. Uh, you know, thought, you know, maybe 2023, mid 2023, but well, and I the didn't good- expect to see rates continue dropping. Well, I mean, like the good news is it eases uh, inflation pressure a little bit. That was on the supply chain. It makes things easier on shippers, but the problem is it t- it takes a while to unbound that. And one of the reasons why they're going down is because people aren't buying stuff. So it's like there's macroeconomic conditions yeah. that are putting you in here. So, yeah, it's cheaper. But, you know, I, I kind of would like to keep the freight moving. But you know what? You put a post on LinkedIn that I thought was really interesting. And it's not the second one I've seen. Someone else was talking about this doomsday clock that is headed for ocean shipping and contracts. A shipper get in. What is going on here? What is what's on the horizon? So I, you know, I was just speaking with one of our forwarders that we use um, last year around this time. We started looking at what to do for the 2022-23 freight contract season because we wanted to start negotiating early to make sure we got the fixed space because we knew it would be um, lower allocation for fixed. This year, the question is now: Do we even want to fix rates, or do we just go to the spot market? And we still have, you know, three months until we will start doing uh, some negotiation with the carriers. But right now, I mean, I think a lot of the the BCOs are going to or shippers are going to want to just use spot market. Or, you know, if the market's, you know, basically plateaus and starts increasing, it's going to be a great time to fix contracts. But the problem is, is the way that we've seen the last two years, no one really knows what's going to happen. I mean, now my expectation is we're still going to see rates decline. But, you know, like uh, Lori's article said today with China, you know, ports are getting backed up in China where you look at the U.S., there's no queuing in LA anymore, and the East <laughs> no. Coast has two ports. Uh, Savannah and Norfolk, as of this morning, had nine container vessels at each location. So, 
um, in my speaking, like I think right now I'm just going to look at spot rates because it doesn't make sense to fix quite yet. Now, mm. if we see a plateau where, where it just bottoms out and then it starts increasing, then yeah, I think it's going to make a lot of sense for the, the shippers to look at fixing the rates. But and we've had like, we had a little Easter egg where our carrier just recently um, considered our contract shipped in full and we only shipped 10% of the product because I told him, you know, I just, at fixed rates, it makes no sense for me to ship with you. Just I might as well just pay the penalty. John, what are you seeing out of China? Because we got Chinese New Year on the horizon. Uh, China, all of a sudden, they went from like rioting in the streets about lockdowns to saying like 90% of the people there are infected with COVID. We know how their response has been in the past. And steamship lines, they really need to control capacity right now. And this could make a pretty good smokescreen and cover for them, especially with all the capacity they have coming online. I was just reading a Greg Miller article today. All those ships they've been waiting for those past two years, it seems like they're coming in today. What the hell is this going to do to the market? And what do you guys think about at least in the near term, when you're like, man, China could be a ticking time bomb. I mean, I think China's been there for the past three years as a ticking time bomb. We've seen those COVID ramp ups, uh, you know, lockdowns, ports closing down. Right now, um, you know, we're in the the prime of going into CNY, and CNY is just not where it's supposed to be in terms of ocean freight um, capacity. There's just not a lot going out. We work with uh, Chinese factories. We have an office in Shanghai. And what we're seeing now is our factories that we only work with a, a few now because we've kind of divested out of, uh, of China um, is that they are shut down. Um, and, you know, we're now about two days away from the start of the Chinese New Year uh, with employees in the, the max exodus, the mass exodus, I should say. I, I wonder how it's going to impact. Like, I think it's going to be a little longer for Chinese New Year uh, just because of the way the, um, the COVID spreading. Um, it is ironic, like you said, I mean, China had those uh, strict lockdowns in place because I think they knew exactly what was going to happen is if they opened it up, it was going to just spread like it has. And it's spread like fire over there. And I mean, it, it's just it's sad to see. But until Lowry's article today, you're not really hearing a lot about the impact of the port congestion over in China. Um, last year, whenever there was a lockdown at a port, rates would increase $1,000 a container overnight just because of that. And now you're not hearing that because everyone's got still high inventory levels in the U.S. where, you know, we have high inventory levels at high rates that everyone's just trying to, you know, get rid of until they can start buying more product. Now, that's a great point. And that says a lot about the freight market, too. The underlying thing that you don't see in the rate chart is that activity that you can very physically see happening at the ports overseas. And of course, we know they land over here. Look, steamship lines, though, they aren't dying. They made a ton of money over the past couple years. Uh, Gray Miller just put out the top 10 carrier group share of global fleet. And it's changed a little bit. Let's take a look at this. John, I'll, I'll, tell me if you see any surprises here. Show this chart we got here. We got MSC at number one. We got Maersk at number two, CMA, CGM, Costco down to four. And they've been dropping off. They are, I think they're the one carrier on here whose fleet has contracted for two consecutive years. Um, we got Hatbag after them, Evergreens at number six when they're not stuck in the Suez. Uh, we got one at number seven, HMM at eight. We got Yang Ming at nine, and Zim at number 10. Um, makes sense to you? Look good? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense from everything that you've been seeing over the past year. You know, Maersk has not really been focused on growing their capacity, whereas MSC has. Um, Maersk is trying to get the whole supply chain under their, their belt. So I don't really see any surprises. I mean, it is surprising that some have contracted contracted because, or sorry, have reduced their um, uh, capacity just because of the way that the market's been the past three years. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really, that's the only shock to me uh, in this. 
And some of those, I mean, some of those reductions are because new vessels are coming online too. So they're just scrapping some while bringing in others. But yeah, I mean, interesting shifts over there. You know, you said something at the beginning though, you know, you said your Nostradamus thing and the predictions. And before I let you go, I was curious, why are we so sl- slow to react to information? And I understand supply chains are hard and supply chains are difficult, but why did it seem like in December there were people like reading, speaking supply chain, like you can see their titles in LinkedIn, like supply chain managers in December are reading about like a Wall Street journal article about like oh the freight market's finally falling apart it fell apart since june yeah it's, it's funny you say that because uh i think i posted on one of those articles i'm like there there's you think that you're going to get inspired by this wall street journal post and like there's nothing there um i don't know like if you're in supply chain on a daily basis you see it. it's like you know I, I was saying there's going to be inflation last year and everyone's like you know freight rates increasing doesn't cause inflation i think even i just saw an opinion today uh, of an article about that I, I don't know. If you're in supply chain and you're working on it on a daily basis, you, you see all these flags and you see what's going on. You know what's going to happen in the next few months. The only thing that, that I think is odd is is that no one expected the market to just, I say collapse and other people are like, it hasn't collapsed, but to, to collapse where it was, you know, just seven months ago to where we are today. It's just mind boggling. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I, I really thought that we wouldn't see any type of uh, reductions in rates until the end of this year or at least mid year of 2023. And here we are, you know, we're basically at the pre pandemic levels for freight rates. Um, but, you know, everyone wants to capitalize on it. But again, the inventory levels are so high in the US that that's, you know, a main reason for that. And I said too that, you know, it's great that we have, we have these reduction in rates, but it's also a sign of, you know, a, a bigger problem, which is the way that the economy is with, you know, inflation and, and recession right now. Yeah. Well, hey, John, look, everybody out there, keep your eye on Chinese New Year. I know you already are. I'm not telling you anything you don't know unless you're someone who reads the Wall Street Journal and learns about the freight market in December. Um, (laughs) uh, But if you want to follow you, they want to get more information from you. They want to keep abreast of what's going on with these contracts and all that kind of stuff. Where should they uh, look for you on LinkedIn? Yeah. uh, So mine is, uh, I think it's John D. Reeser CPM, uh, where you can find me uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very, you know, vocal there to uh, talk about freight and supply chain. So you can always hit me up that way or, or direct message me through it as well. Thank you, John. Thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate you having me back. Take it easy. All right. Meanwhile, now take a look at this. You got to get a wire under your house. This is maybe like the best trick you can do. Get yourself a cat. It'll keep like the rats and the pests out of your house. And then you tie a rope or a string to it. You run it under the house. You have someone else under the under floorboard with a can of tuna or cat food. The cat will run the wire right under your floorboards. That is my tip of the week for you right here on Want the Truck. You great people. I see Pierre laughing, man. It's been too long. Pierre Laguerre, he's a founder and CEO over at Fleeting. I love this gentleman. I love having him on every time he comes here. Pierre, how you doing, man? I'm doing exceptionally well, my brother. About yourself. Happy New Year. <laughs> you too, How man. You, you, you got to be built. You got to be built tough in this industry, right? It's crazy, man. There's oh, always God. things going wrong. But if you're passionate about it and you love it, you got to realize that that's here, and you got to roll with the punches. And I imagine, like, like right now. You know, I was really, I was thinking about you today and I was thinking about what you guys do at Fleeting and how, you know, your passion and your, and your mission is just to help make drivers independent, right? Start their own right. companies, but not the easiest time right now to get into that. Totally agree. Uh, right now is definitely not the best time. Uh, I think for drivers thinking about becoming on operators, there's a lot that they have to really think about, especially for 2023. Right. Um, we're talking about one freight market is really constantly going down. 
fuel prices is pretty much still questionable, right? Um, truck prices is another issue. And again, like I said, the capacity right now is, we, we could tell this is actually uh, a broker in a shipper's market. So it's not a carrier's market. So if a driver is deciding to become an owner operator, he really, really got to be tight, uh, understand his unit economics, really make sense on the lane that he's running, not just taking any loads. I think if he's going to do that, maybe this is the time that they're really focused on building relationship with shippers and really understand the shipper's pain point in this market. But other than that, I don't think it's a market for drivers to become owner-operators. But however, I think there is a lot of opportunities for fleet owners to minimize fuel consumption. There's a lot of education that, you know, we can do to to pretty much keep our fleet running and keep our fuel um, costs pretty low. But I'm still hopeful. Like I said, it's passion. Um, trucking has always been a cyclical business, right? It's, dri- it's always driven by the law of supply and demand, and we see what happened after the pandemic. And what we're seeing right now is just pretty much is the after effect of it, right? But however, I believe strongly by, by Q3 um, this year, we can start seeing a little bit of flex around there. But I would say for sure, uh, especially for drivers that want to become owner-operators, I'll say, yeah, for sure, they should give about at least a two, two years' wait. But if you're a fleet owner, I would say for sure by Q3, you should start seeing um, things kind of become a little bit more relaxed. Here, you know, they say, especially in real estate, they say never time in the market will kill you every time. And I'm sure that is absolutely true in trucking. In fact, I know it isn't. It isn't getting great. too. you know, it. It's easy to it's easy to talk yourself out of starting becoming an owner operator when the market's bad, right? And it's easy to talk yourself into it when it's really good. But the problem when you go in when it's really good is you're like, especially if you went in the past years, you bought a really expensive truck, you're holding a really expensive ah. note, and now you're like, damn, because you made a good point. Trucking's not a one step thing. It's not like I start a trucking company and you're good. No, no. Then you got to deal with the markets and you got to deal with every day. Correct. So that's the thing, right? So, so for the market, it's like um, drivers think that. So for let, let's let's go to this, right? When the pandemic happened, and then everything opened back up, so there was a surge of demand, and everybody saw trucking as a viable option. Everybody wanted to become an owner operator. Everybody wanted to become a fleet owner. People thought trucking was one of those get in and get rich and get out. Unfortunately, trucking is a long term game. Again, like I said, I've seen this in 2007. I've seen the same thing almost around 2017, and we're seeing it right now. So I've always tell people, understand the cycle of the business of the industry. It's all about building relationship, understanding where you can find a niche and make that niche work for you. A lot of times, drivers are chasing miles. Sometimes it's not the best to chase the mile. It's best to chase how do you actually create a triangle to minimize the miles that you're running to maximize your bottom line. I think those are the very important things people don't understand when they're getting trucking. Now, if you go back again into the truck prices, which is another disaster, uh, last year, man, we've seen trucks that was being sold, trucks that was cost really $50,000 was being sold for $110,000. And then when that market is down, like you said earlier, you got drivers paying $3,000 up to $4,000 a month per uh, on their truck note, plus insurance is an additional $2,500 a month. And what they're making right now, they're not going to be able to survive. So I really think it's important that drivers pay attention to the fuel market, they pay attention to the truck prices, and pay attention to see what's going on in the rate market as well before they make a decision of becoming an owner-operator. Now, again, it's not to say don't put the cart before the horse, but from experience myself, what I see is that, uh, again, usually, well, if I was wrong this year myself, and I'll, I'll admit that. I said, well, usually around the last quarter of the year, Right. We'll see some um, more capacity. We'll start seeing a little bit more movement. But unfortunately, this year was really tough. It's the first um, last Q4 that I saw that was really horrible because I did not see as much volume that I usually see around uh, the last Q4 of the year. No, I mean, I was looking in, um, I had a sonar chart in our newsletter yesterday, and I was looking at rejects on there and what had happened with rates over the holiday. And they went up 
uh, like slightly rejects, but it was you could you can just tell by the movement that this is just driver sitting home. This isn't like more freight for the holiday last second push. This is like your typical holiday. There's a ton of rejects because the drivers don't want to drive because the rates aren't as good and it's Christmas time. So damn it, spend it with your family, right? I mean, why go out there if to to lose money and to make money for someone else? There you go. Those are the smart drivers. Those are the smart, experienced drivers that realize, look, it makes better sense for me to park my truck up as opposed to run the truck and run a negative business. But the new drivers that came into the industry didn't know that. They didn't have that level of education to say, okay, well, how do I move in this current market? So for them, they were taking everything that the brokers was offering, anything that they see on the low board, they were taking it. And some drivers don't even know how to negotiate up because why? They don't understand their unit economics. Drivers, again, they see trucking as a gold mine. They think they're going to come in. They're going to get rich overnight. They do not take the time to really educate themselves on the business. They don't take them time to really educate uh, what is the shipper needs what is the customer need how can they provide a solution again they're just chasing the bottom dollar however if you're not smart if you're not experienced you're chasing the wrong buck and it will really really hurt you and that's what you see right now with these new drivers i mean pierre you've told me your story before and i've had you on and, and why you're so passionate about this and how hard it is to start a trucking company, and it's getting harder. There's more tech than ever. There's more relationships. It's very, very complicated. There's more regulations than ever coming into place. But what is, like, the number one thing that you see? Like, when does life really punch that new driver in the face when they think that going out on their own is the right decision? Well, so a lot of times these drivers make those decisions to become an owner-operator simply because they don't have the flexibility that they're looking for at their current employer, right? So when they're working at a company, they get on the road, tell them, hey, You got to get on the road, go on the road for four weeks. You're not coming back to see your family for two days. The food option is horrible. You're sleeping in the bunk of uh, the back of a truck. Mental health is a real issue. Drivers can't find parking. After a while, the only way for truckers, they feel like they can get some flexibility in this industry or have some ownership is by becoming an owner-operator. But unfortunately, becoming an operator is very hard. So that's the only solution that drivers see that can solve that flexible um, issue. So for us, exactly the way we're solving this issue for these drivers is is saying, hey, look, you don't have to own a truck to operate like an owner-operator. You can come here, book a truck, book a route. If you want to stay on the road for three days, you do three days. You want to stay on the road for a week, you stay on the week. However, we want drivers to start looking at their CDL as part of their portfolio, meaning if a driver said this week, I want to work three days. Um, and make $1,000 working three days. And the rest of the week, what he can do is actually drive Uber or Lyft and stay close to home. And the reason we're thinking about that, the problem also is that this generation of truck drivers is not what's going to solve today's trucking. We need a new set of tomorrow's drivers to solve the supply chain that we're talking about. And those new drivers that we're talking about is going to ask for work, life, balance, and culture, and flexibility. And unfortunately, trucking doesn't offer that right now. So I think the company that really truly understands the importance of product, I'm sorry, providing those values to drivers is the company that's really going to lead the market. Yes, technology is great, but what I've seen myself is that trucking really take a slow time to adapt to new technology. I don't know what that problem is, but they're having a hard time adapting to technology right out the gate. Well, it can be tough, too, because, first of all, it's confusing. A lot of these companies have similar names and do similar things. You're not sure which is what, and then a lot don't even integrate with one another. So even knowing where to start with that, I mean, you can have an anxiety attack just researching this stuff sometimes. That's the level it's getting at for some drivers. And look, this isn't like a passive income stream, right? You don't just, like, buy a truck and you're like, hey, now I'm making money left and right. That is not how this business works at all. And don't quit your job because you don't have the right hours and go in business for yourself because, I Pierre, tell me something. Did going into business for yourself give you more time back in your life especially in the beginning no sir 
No, sir. Uh, I went to business by myself thinking that I was going to get more time. And I found out that I was working 24 hours a day. Right. Because at the end of the day, people don't understand a business is a, is planting a seed. You have to plant that seed and you have to water it and you have to watch it before that seed become fruitful. But again, drivers have this mindset. Again, they think that everybody that's in trucking or millionaires thinking everybody that's in trucking are rich and they are just chasing this bag. That's not there, which is an illusion. So I think, again, it's just a matter of level of education. Drivers need to be educated. Also, what I would say is FMCSA can also do their part in solving this issue right here because. Trucking is the only industry that I see. You can go ahead and apply for a DOT number and MC number. They don't do no checkup on you to see do you have the wherewithal, do you have the uh, the the knowledge, the experience to run a trucking company. And they'll grant you an authority and they'll grant you a DOT number. And then you know what? Guess what? They'll be them same companies that don't understand safety and that go out there and kill somebody and hurt a family. So I think FMCSA can really kind of step in and prevent this from happening. Not saying that I don't want drivers to become owner-operated, but I truly believe if you want to get into this business, you should at least go to a three-month training to six-month training to truly understand not just safety, not just operation, but how you actually manage a business successfully and transportation because you are bringing a lot of values to, um, to North America. So I think it's a very important thing that we need to take seriously. You have a, a success story or anyone you're, you're very proud of that you've sort of worked with and guided along the way. You got, you got like a mentee? Yes, I do. So, yeah. So, uh, for example, I had a good friend. So, we, as you know, one of our business is that, you know, social impact is that we employ formerly incarcerated men and women. Right. There's about 600 formerly incarcerated men uh, and women that are free annually. Unfortunately, there's no ecosystem helping them with housing and employment. So I had a friend, unfortunately, where I grew up in Brooklyn at the time. I remember I was telling you I grew up in a very rough neighborhood and he was um, he got shot and he got shot about five times. After that, he started driving around with a weapon, with a gun. And he was pulled over and he got arrested and he was sentenced to five years in jail. Um, upon release, well, not upon release, he, after two years in jail, he called me and said, hey, if you can write a letter to the judge, I know you have a company now. If you write a letter to the judge, that might let me out early. I said, okay, this is interesting. So I wrote the letter to the judge and said, hey, look, if you allow this man to come out early, I will provide him training. I will show him how to get his CDL and show him how to run a trucking company. Well, by the grace of God, that letter proved that to be right. The judge did let him out in 2017. He came and worked with me for about a year. I showed him everything about how to dispatch, how to run a trucking company, how to build a relationship, how to really understand the entire uh, business. In 2021, his business did $1.7 million in revenue, and now he's running about nine trucks, right? So for me, this is the, this is the opportunity that trucking can provide for a lot of individuals if they're willing to take right? The lessons, if they're willing to, to be educated and if they're coachable. So this is why I say, again, you can be successful in trucking because trucking companies are running every day. If trucking was that bad, there wouldn't be no company in existence. However, by, the, by having the right education, you will be able to build not only a great business, but you'll be able to add value. And you will also be able to provide some social impact or some opportunities in your communities as well. So for me, this is why I'm still passionate about it. I'm still seeing young men and young women being killed Right. Being incarcerated. And I think I said to myself, man, why won't you get a CDL and get a job? And really, you know, it may not be making two hundred thousand dollars a year at the, uh, out the gate, but you can learn it. And two years later, when the market becomes better, you can become an owner operator and make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. So I think this is a great industry. It has changed my life. It has changed the people lives in my community. So I, I, I encourage every young black man or every young man, every woman to look at this transportation industry as an opportunity to build sustainable income and create a family for themselves.
Well, I'm going to bang the cowbell for that one, Pierre. Thank you for dropping some real talk on here. Thank you for your service. I mean, I love what you did with, with sponsoring the guy, getting him out of jail. It was a nonviolent thing. He had the gun on the truck. You got him back on his thing. He's running a nine-truck company. It's amazing. People who want to turn their life around, they want to turn their truck around, they want to get in a truck. Where do I send them to? How do they hook up with you? Yes, to send them to my page, uh, which is Pierre Laguerre. And also, I'm excited to also announce that I just launched Pierre's Academy. And Pierre's Academy is exactly doing that. It's teaching drivers how to become dispatchers, how to really negotiate with freight brokers, teaching truck drivers how to start their businesses, really how to understand their businesses. If you want to start a staffing agency, whatever it is that you're looking to start in trucking, Pierre's Academy is here to show you how to build your businesses. So I'm excited. If you're looking for me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Pierre Laguerre, uh, mostly on Instagram, which is the same thing, Pierre Laguerre underscore five. And you can check us out at um, www.pierresacademy.us if you're looking to to learn in trucking and become a dispatcher and help add values to truck drivers, not take advantage of drivers, become a dispatcher and become a hell of a negotiator on behalf of truck drivers and provide values. Hey, thank you. Good luck with the Academy. Everyone go check out Pierre. Take him up on this. Thanks again, sir. Have a great year. And I'll, I'll catch up. With, I got to catch up with you soon. I got to catch up with you before it's owner. We'll have you back soon, man. Take it easy. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Thank you. Take care. All right. Hey, do you remember when we mentioned AIT's Global Transportation Market Report earlier in the show? Hope you do. Wasn't that long ago. Capacity and pricing trends, air, ocean, and trucking, economic insight, etc. Well, what do you do once you have all that useful data and analysis? You don't just sit on it, right? You turn insight into action, partner with AIT's global network of subject matter experts, and they'll design a supply chain solution tailored to your needs. Get started today at AIT Worldwide. Dot com. Hey, you know what? AI, all the rage right now, right? Everyone doing artwork with ChatGPT, writing scripts with ChatGPT. I think Candyland was written by ChatGPT. Talked about AI with this gentleman last year. I got Marcus Cooksey back as the CEO of Duke AI. And, uh, and man, AI is hot right now. It's more relevant than ever. Hey, thanks for having me on, uh, Donor. Uh, and I apologize. I am in my car. Uh, so... <laughs> Today, I'm coming from a doctor's visit, so AI can do everything but help individuals with surgeries and so forth <sighs> like that and schedule appointments pro- properly. So we need we need not just GP, uh, in chat GPT, but we need something to help doctors schedule appointments and make things right. But anyway, that's, that's another thing. But great to be on, and, and you're right. AI is just becoming the biggest craze now these days with open AI. Hey, you ever, you ever miss the, uh, those days, your old days as a loader over at UPS? Do I? Oh, heck no. Uh, I, no, I, I, you know, you know what I do miss is that I was in good shape. I, I worked out every day going into the office was a workout. You're talking about lifting boxes, uh, picking them up and uh, having to move fast. So it was an exercise. So today I sit on my butt all day long and I have to go out and do extra stuff to uh, get exercise in. So that part I do miss is, is that my job incorporated exercise. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, maybe you can put one of those little treadmills under your desk or something like that. But you look great. I mean, you know, it's the holidays. We're all trying to, you know, work a little bit off, but we'll get there. You know, let's have faith in each other. Let's talk about this, though. You know, you are passionate about, like, robotic process information. And you look at it a lot of times from the financial side, don't you? You were, you were like, a, if I'm not mistaken, you were a bookkeeper before you got into this computer stuff, weren't you? No, actually, I was a computer scientist ah. uh, first. And, and, but, but I put myself through school. But while working as a loader and sorter at UPS, 
But then I became an accountant by default as I ran my own trucking business and I was terrible at it. And that's what made me come up with Duke uh, is because I couldn't figure out my profit and my loss and there were no tools out there. And so that's how Duke got started. We and, and we look at now it's the beginning of the year, uh, you know, as an owner operator, it's more than just driving, picking up loads. You need to know if those loads are profitable. Uh, the brokers are not going to tell you whether or not this load is going to be profitable for you. So you need to factor in all your costs and so forth. And what we've done is made the robot even more enhanced from what we had three years ago. Now it pulls from over 8,000 different banks and it can automatically ca categorize transactions, help you to know what your profit margins are. And we've got even some predictive analysis now so that when the driver uh, gets ready to take a load, uh, they just type in the load amount, the start lo in location, and it factors in all your historical information, and it can tell you what the profit you're going to make on that load. You know, a lot because a lot of people still doing P and Ls in like a Google Doc, aren't they? Yeah, was, they are. Uh, and and you know, ninety percent of truck owner operators they neglect to do it right, and I understand why. It, it is very difficult to keep up with all of the transactions. There's a lot of transactions that happen in trucking. You've got fuel, you've got insurance, and and how do you focus around that? And so uh, we've we've done a lot of work around making it easier for the driver to quickly and instantly know what their financial numbers are. And one thing we added uh, is is payments. What we recognize is is that you know it's it's one thing to get a load, but within our app now we've made it where the driver can invoice. So a lot of the accounting solutions that are out there, um, you know, it's very painful to invoice, but, but our AI can now read documents and from a rate confirmation, it can actually generate an invoice. Uh, we're working with a lot of uh, brokers and factoring companies now. Uh, we're releasing a new product coming out this year so that that invoice is automatically created. Uh, a fraud detection score is, is being able to determine. So we're looking at a variety of different data points, zip codes where a lot of fraud happens. So our AI engine is becoming smart to then give that feedback to either the factoring company, the broker, the shipper on the relevancy of that document, if it's good. And then they can actually instantly pay that driver. And some of our customers are even hooking up to their backend systems so that if it hits, if that score hits a certain threshold, right, if it's over like a 95, they're able to set up auto pay. And so what we're trying to introduce now is Uber-like Taxi cab drive like payments in the transportation industry. Interesting, interesting. You know, with AI being all the rage, and I'm sure like th there's got to be some good runoff for someone like you, right? Because people just get more interested. They get they understand it better. They see it in action, doing things. And they go, "Oh, okay, I'm starting to get ideas of how I can incorporate this in my own function." And I think that it's it's a little bit harder when people didn't have their their head to wrap around that. But what like in terms of AI tools, are you excited about the scene that's on, that's going on right now in logistics? What what do we have to look forward to in 2023? Oh, uh, we talked with a, a particular partner, and I don't want to give it away. But when you look at things like pricing, negotiation, a lot of things that are manual, we keep focusing about autonomous trucks. Yeah. And that's going to come. But there are so many other inefficiencies that are happening, just like I mentioned around payments, around invoicing, uh, the number of people that are in involved in the manual efforts, right? Uh, tracking, uh, being able to uh, understand, you know, where is, you know, the best routes, you know, the efficiency of, you know, distribution centers for pickups. I, I go down the street and I see a line of trucks, hundreds of trucks, and I don't want to mention the vendor, but they're waiting at their center 
And I was like, that is a inefficient use of that trucker's uh, driving time, right? So there's a lot of efficiencies that we can use AI for and, and not just be focused on self-driving trucks, but just operational efficiencies that, that can be improved. Yeah, I mean, look, I was in a couple of those self-driving trucks last year. The technology is interesting. I like technology. I'll always check that kind of stuff out. But the reality is I'm looking at this truck, and it has $800,000 worth of sensors on there, and you're not even talking about the truck yet, and you're not even talking about the computer inside of it. These are like million-dollar-plus vehicles we're talking about right now. And that's why Torque told me, they're like, look, we have a partnership with Daimler. We are in no rush because there's no rush to get to. This is like a 10-year problem. It's not covering all of trucking anyway. So you're making a much better point. Like, fix your house. Fix some of these inefficiencies with using the technology, but is it easy? Like, for example, I was looking at this post by David Schillingford, and he said there is a critical challenge for supply chain leaders to get ahead in 2023. A lack of material progress with AI plus constrained budgets equals risk of putting mission-critical projects on hold. Is that a challenge? It is. So many corporations, they they see the need of, of, of AI, they see this data, they see the inefficiency, but then they actually, you have, to be real, you have to look at the cost and the amount of R&D. It's just like that Turo, Turo truck you're talking about with the sensors. You've got to spend a lot of time putting in um, putting in tools. So, so AI is not one of those things where you just give a machine and it just learns on its own. No, there's a lot of what they call supervised learning. Uh, you have to have people, people to reward the computer when something's right. You've got to set up the whole workflow to get. So it's not one of those things. It's not a click of a button and it's working. So that's why at Duke, we recognize that. And that's why we created whole solutions, not partial solutions. And so when you look at the bookkeeping app, it is a whole solution. So it's not a piece of a part that gives you a little of it. No, we've done all the work around the training and the models, uh, even what we talked about, the payments. So now when a customer, for example, a load board that needs, let's say, payments, we've made it where it's a drag and drop, zero code implementation, and you instantly have our payment scanner into your system. So companies who are thinking about you know, investing in AI, it, it is important for them to either consider leveraging the expertise of another company that has already done that, like us, or, or consider developing the whole solution and not partial solution so that the users are not frustrated with, with, the, with the whole user experience with AI. Now, that Mar makes sense. It sure does. Hey, Marcus, you know what? Uh, tax season's coming up, right? Everyone's got to get their books together. A lot of these drivers, a lot of these owner-operators, some guys who don't have a lot of experience. Got any tips for listeners out there who are getting, their, uh, getting that together? Man, I got one tip. Yeah. If you download download the Duke app. Okay, quit <laughs> playing with yourself. All right. All right. Download you download the Duke app. Connect Duke to your bank account. And you even if you haven't done your 2022 bookkeeping, you download the Duke app, you're gonna catch up with it in a matter of just an hour. Uh you're gonna save yourself thousands of dollars from going to maybe an accountant that's gonna try to catch you up. And then once you're uh, once you're caught up, then continue to use that because you're going to have at your hand a virtual bot. You know, we're talking about, you know, AI, a virtual bot that is doing all the work for you. And the only thing you need to do is make sure you're looking at your number so that, as PR mentioned, you're in a better negotiation price for your lanes and your rates so that you're in a better, better negotiation price about your insurance. So you're in the better negotiation price or understanding, you know, which fuel card vendors to use based on some of the analytics we'll be providing to you. So it, it, I would say start there and then you do need an accountant. You need a CPA. 
because all of that data that we provide, that CPA can look at it and say, you know what, uh, you may need to do depreciation this year. Oh, no, do it. You know, there's a lot of other tax savings like per diem. So in combination with Duke, and we've got some great accountants that are on the platform. You go to our website, you'll see some of those accountants on our platform. But that's what I would recommend. Start with downloading Duke. It is the best trucking software uh, platform out there in the market. All right. All right. I got you, Marcus. Thank you, man. Go check out Duke AI. Thank you for coming on the show. I'll let you get back behind the wheel over there. And, hey, hopefully only good news back from that doctor, my friend. Hey, thank you. Good being on. All right. Appreciate Take it. Care. Take care. Take it easy. All right, we got one more guest today. It is Michael Kempens. He is the SVP Sales and Marketing at Estes Forwarding Worldwide. Hey, man, where are you at? Where are you sitting right now? What part of the world are you at? Uh, Richmond, Virginia. Ooh, oh my! You know, my parents just moved out to to Virginia, I, and I don't. I, I should know like the name of the place, but it was my first time going, and the GPS took me there, so I don't even remember the area. But it was really nice. I spent Christmas in Virginia. Oh, cool. Yeah, we're like, uh, we're central Virginia. It's, it's great. It's two hours to the mountains, two hours to the beach, two hours to D.C. It's a real good, it's a great spot. So who are you guys? Who is EWF? Who is the SD's forwarding group or forwarding world, forwarding enterprise? SD's, you tell me, who are you guys? Yeah, yeah. Estes Forwarding Worldwide. The E in EFW is Estes. We're really proud of that. The, the largest privately held transportation company in the United States. Uh, the, the primary bones of that are an asset-based LTL company. Um, EFW was hatched uh, under the Estes umbrella about 20 years ago um, to be a, a freight forwarder. Uh, we've become a really uh, full service uh, logistics provider in a number of different ways. We do truckload brokerage. We do. Uh, we really started with that that domestic expedited. We're in the warehousing business. We have four million square feet of warehouse space. Um, we're an international, full international um, freight forwarder, import export, uh, air, ocean. You name it. So we we do, you know, where, where Estes is the, the you know, it's that LTL network. It's got assets. We do all the things that aren't necessarily nutritious for those assets. We, we, we handle the rest. So you mentioned something there. You mentioned expediting and you mentioned LTL and LTL can be a challenge to expedite things. And what are shippers using right now to expedite LTL? Well, it, it, it depends. So if they're not using a transportation management software platform, they're not using a TMS or a, or a 3PL, they, they may just be trying to figure out, you know, whenever an expedited shipment happens, they may be trying to figure out, um, you know, where do I go? Where do I go to get to, to find somebody to do that, that kind of work? Um, and it can be a little bit of a, a search. And if they don't have a relationship with somebody, it's hard. They're Googling, you know, they're, and they're certainly within uh, LTL companies, some of them have some like guaranteed and maybe some some expedited solutions. But when you talk about turning like a five day lane or a four day lane into a next day lane, generally speaking, uh, it can be a challenge for most, you know, where they're regularly shipping LTL. They don't really know how to handle it. If they're in, in a TMS today, like if they're just if they have their own TMS or they're using a 3PL, usually if, if they're trying to turn that four day lane, that three day lane into a next day lane, they're going to have to come out of platform and maybe, you know, call the expedited line for the 3PL or um, they're, you know, it's, it's, they're usually going to ha- kind of have to come off the, the paved road. And it's a little bit uh, challenging to get to an expedited uh, solution. So you are aware of that. So you've worked on a product, right, called Get It There Faster. How does that address these issues that you just mentioned? Yeah, get it there faster. So we, we, we discovered that a number of years ago that it made sense for us to develop an algorithm so that we could very quickly 
uh, access our own expedited rates. When people called us, we wanted to be able to provide a, an instant rate, right? Because in the expedited business, not just the freight needs to be expedited, but people are, you know, they're, they're hot for it to happen like right now. So uh, we made it easy for ourselves and developed a product that we could use internally and decided that it just made sense to uh, turn it into an API and offer it to the market. So basically what we've done, get it there faster, um, does exactly what it says, where, you know, if you think about where so many LTL customers are going to, to transact and, and, and buy the service of LTL, they're going to those platforms. So we figured if, if, if we can, uh, when those customers show up on those platforms and they, they are just sourcing a regular LTL rate, so, you know, Phoenix to Boston, and it's a five-day lane, we're presenting a one, two, and three-day option instantly. Nobody else is doing that, of, uh, that expedited option instantly. So the, the, the product really is, in addition to offering the service, you know, very quickly and, and right there in front of them, they also didn't necessarily know that they, they needed it, right? So I'm seeing, I'm thinking, geez, I was planning on five days, but if I can do this in two days or one day, it changes the calculus of maybe the project I was working on and the, the upcharge on the expedited may be well worth the overall reduction in cost for whatever project it is. You know, seen a big push in API this year. A lot of APIs being pushed up, but what makes this one different? Who, does, who is it actually helping? Oh, I mean, it. well, first of all, it, uh, it helps any platform or 3PL or solutions pro solution provider who's going to put it on their platform because it, it, it gives their customer options they, they don't already have. So, uh, you know, if you're in the business, if you're a platform provider, you're a 3PL, uh, you want your customer to be able to automatically press a button and have that option. That, that's only good for your customer. It's certainly great for the, the customer because now they, again, they don't have to come off that um, paved road, come out of platform, start to scramble around, start Googling, figuring out who does, you know, who, who even does next day from Phoenix to Boston. If, 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 they're not, if they only do that two, three times a year, they probably don't even know, know where to go. So it certainly, certainly helps the customer. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good for everyone. Well, if I'm not mistaken, too, you just started a partnership with Project 44. I believe I saw a press release about that. Can you tell us a little bit about what that entails? How does Project 44 integrate with something like what you're doing? Well, Project 44, uh, you know, they're, they're connecting, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, what, is, what does Jet say? He's connecting to all the, you know, ships, trains, planes, and rickshaws, you know, everywhere in the world, right? He's trying to, he's trying to create those connect connections. Um, what we discovered as we released our API, you can connect to the Get It There Faster API direct to EFW, but uh, a lot of providers are, you know, prefer to go through a, a company like P44. So we we strategically part partnered with P44 to make sure our API was available through them as well. And uh, they're, they're a, a part of it with us. So, yeah, we, we had a, a kind of a joint press, re press release. And uh, we're very proud to be in, uh, you know, to offer uh, Get It There Faster, either through P44 or through us directly. And in some cases, could be a combination. If you're using P44 for some of your APIs, but you're connecting uh, directly for others, that's, we, we can, you know, we're flexible that way. Yeah, I was going to say, does it play nice with others? Like, what if other TMSs or 3PLs wanted to offer it on their platform? They can connect. Again, they, that, that API is out there. Yeah. Um, all they have to do is reach out to us. We'll get you the API documentation. Uh, we start a, start a project where we, we, we work on getting you connected and engaged. Once all that stuff is connected, um, they're good to go. And they can do that directly with us or through P44. So they, they have those options. What has you excited about this? Have you seen any big wins yet? Have you gotten any good customer feedback? 
Oh, it, we have been doing this. This is version 2.0 with us. We, we've been doing it for two years successfully uh, with Cubix. We, had a, we were on the Cubix platform for two years. There's some changes happening over there. We looked at how well that was performing. We've enhanced the speed and, uh, and the, the, the reduction of, uh, of uh, latency. We've, uh, we've built a few other um, enhancements into the, into the API in, in 2.0. So we have a, a pretty good two-year history of, of seeing how it works, and, and we've seen our customers really, really happy with it. So um, I'm excited to just scale it and, and bring it out to a, a broader audience and uh, kind of let the universe of LTL shippers take advantage of it. Oh wow! All right. Well, where do people go to learn more, and you know, how do they how do they pick this up? Yeah. Well, initially, so we're we're just getting ready to to, to launch here in the new year. Uh, my carrier, uh, based there in Scottsdale, Arizona, is going to be the um, the first platform that uh, this is going to be available on. So, kind of exclusively, uh, just we're going to be launching this week. Uh, if you're if you're a my carrier shipper, you're going to have access to. Get it there faster from EFW. So that's that's uh, where you go to, to be able to, to access it right now. And we're, we're proud to be working with those guys, a great organization. Um, and I think look for us to continue to bring on new partners and, and, and roll out through, throughout the year. Um, if they're interested, if you're a, a platform provider or a 3PL and you want, you want this for your platform, um, reach out to me directly. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and let's have a conversation about getting you, uh, getting you connected. Yeah, do it. Reach out to him. Are you a Vols fan too? I'm looking at that. Uh, I'm looking at that orange. No, 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 no. That's the colors, but, uh, yeah, that's just, that's, <laughs> that's our own, uh, our own logo on that one. All right. I see Frazier. Good game in the back. He would have, he would have given you a big fist pump, but now he'll just have to say, well, those are the colors. Maybe they inspired it. No, I like it. I like it. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks, Junior. Take it easy. All right, everybody. What is it? It's Friday, is it not? It's Friday, is it not? It's Friday, is it not? Let's have a little good news, bad news. How's it bad news and good news? Yeah, let's get to it. What is this? Oh, my gosh. Good news. Good news. Your wine. Let's roll this tape. Good news. And where are we? the tape here? Come. Here we go. All right, good news. Your Turn the sound off on that, please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good news. Don't want to get copyright striked. Appreciate that, guys. Um, look at it. Good news. Your wine is in port. Here's the bad news, though. You see the Boeing side of that container? See it push out on the side? The driver sure does. Look at how he's, <laughs> look how he's attempting to steal. That's because those waterbeds full of wine had burst. Those things are isotanks. You know, it's funny because people get all hoity-toity about wine. They get all uppity about wine. And they think it's like the purest thing. And it's so luxe. So much of your wine, even some of your spirits, they come in these giant waterbed bags called isotanks, and they're bottled here. I mean, it only makes sense. You don't want to ship a bunch of bottles across the ocean, right? You want to fill them up here. But um, these things are much maligned. If you've ever had to deal with them, you would know why. In fact, when I post this online, we did get some feedback here. The peanut gallery said, uh, Secret Surveyor, he says, I've seen a fair few of these over the years. The bags are great, but can only withstand so much force. Container looks like it may have received a heavy impact. Salvage mostly unlikely. Well, I would say so. It's all over the ground. Uh, liquid disposal can be costly. I don't know. Not if my wife's got a wine glass around. No 20 foots, no fun. No, good stuff. 
My wife doesn't drink that much wine. Uh, Mac Lovin says, I bet the shipper wished they would have sprung the big money for a tank container combo. I've loaded a few of these bladders before. Seem risky to me. Nathan Strangler at Flexport, he says, spirits too. There's a lot of handcrafted artisanal vodka, whiskey, etc. that gets moved in these ISO bags. Um, Pierre Trucker, New York, New Jersey, this is why I don't like calling 20s. Too much BS inside them 20s, man. Um, Derek, Derek, he is a crane operator over at the port. He said, they, uh, they just pour soybeans, soybeans in these cans without any packaging, too. Once in a while, they'll punch a hole in the can and it rains soybeans. Is that true? They just dump like a bunch of, inside like a 20 or a 40? Nothing? Not even like a liner bag? Ugh. I don't know. Losing my appetite. Big storms are raging through the country. Let's take a look at this one right here, what happened over in this uh, truck parking lot. Big uh, thunderstruck over at JR Motorsports. And look this one a couple times. I got to see it, too. So you look there behind the branch truck. Boom, right in the back. And there's a couple of angles on this thing. Everything got shocked. The guys over there said, hey, there was, uh, I, don't, I think there was only minor damage. Nobody got hurt or anything. But pretty close for comfort. Yeah, stay out of that. Got another one here. Driving down the road. Good news. Nice clear road in front of you. But look what's coming up behind you. This guy's straight up here, SUV. He looks a little slippery on that road pulling from. But this driver's being good, right? He's just following. And then here comes this guy. For some reason, wants to slide around him. He thinks the conditions aren't right. And he goes slamming headfirst right into the side of the bank over there. Fortunately, nobody was seriously injured in this event. But, man, don't pull moves. Like, look at the road. Look at the conditions here. You could already see the SUV was struggling on that turf. Then you get this guy turning around the corner. He needs to get lit up. Drop this one. He needs to get lit up. On the CB radio by our good friend over here. And I don't think this is Mud Duck. We had an article on Back the Truck Up like a couple months ago. It was talking about Mud Duck. And Mud Duck, he's like this infamous CB radio troll who just annoys everybody who drives around the country. I think this guy's someone else, but let's see what he has to say. A cordless drill out there. Let me know. I need that battery from it bad. Shut up. Driver, my vibrator ran out of battery. Shut the f up. Tired of the you don't have anything important to say, shut up. But that's very important to me, driver. Well, that's your problem, not anybody else's. Whoop needs a battery to keep a Cascadia running. Oh. Shut up, Reed. Well, I need to jumpstart my vibrator now. Shut your ass up, you son of a bitch. Nobody gives a Okay, driver, relax. There it is. Won't you pack your shit up and take you back down to the desert and get out of our country? Well, tell me, what, what would you do if your vibrator went out, out of battery? I don't have a vibrator. I've got a wife at home that takes care of me. Well, I don't, and I need to get that vibrator going, like, now. Posted that one online too. A lot of the drivers said, like, that is the exact reason that they don't have a CB radio in their truck. They said it's like Xbox Live for uh, 60 year olds, and <laughs> that's the program. It's just a bunch of nonsense. Now, I can see I could be funny, 60 second small doses, but all day long, this guy looking for uh, batteries for his. I also like the guy roasted him on his Cascadia. Nothing against Cascadias. I just thought it was a, it was a funny joke, and it was well, well timed. Hey, it's been a great week. Thank you. Welcome back from the new year, 2023. On Monday, we'll be back at noon Eastern time. I got some cool people, too. One of them is a guy named Grayson Brulte. He's got a autonomous like car, autonomous truck podcast. I met him out when I was at Torque. We had some 
great conversations. He had some really good insight. He didn't know trucking as well as I did, but he knew autonomous. So we're going to talk about the market going into 2023. We got Nathan Strang from Flexport. I'm going to talk to him more about what's going on in the ocean contracts. It'll be a little bit more global trade focused. Plus all the news and everything. A couple special guests for you. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. You want to watch my ass in HD? Download the Freightways TV app. Find me on Twitter, Timothy Dooner. Don't be a stranger. <laughs>